Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, Nikki C, and welcome to another episode of Life Got in the Way, a podcast that is dedicated to growing, learning, and achieving our lifelong goals. Join us today as we sit down with Sean, host of the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, a podcast that is inspired by his own journey and also his desire to share his story along with the stories of other everyday regular people. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar worker, and a former drug addict who spent some time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. He was released in 2006 with nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some legal paperwork. In 2010, he finally kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit. And like his podcast, his journey tells us that he truly had nowhere to go but up. He published his first podcast episode in May 2019, And in February of 2021, he hit a milestone as he launched his 100th episode. Keep listening as Sean tells us all about his journey, his podcast, and his nonprofit organization that he started in 2020. All right, everybody, you ready? Let's go. Hello, welcome, Sean. We are so excited to have you as a special guest today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Nikki, for inviting me onto the show and, uh, you know, uh, being willing to listen to my story. Yes, and I'm very excited to um, to hear your story and for the listeners to hear your story. I think it will resonate well with a lot of people and give our listeners uh just a, a little more background about you and um, um, the things that you've overcome and how life got in the way for you. So before we go into deep, I want you to just kind of give us some, tell us your story. Just give us um, the little background about you. All right. Well, I uh, was born and raised in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, the east eastern part of the Bay Area in a small town called Pinole. And my parents divorced when I was five. Uh, it was a pretty abusive relationship and, um, you know, tumultuous environment uh, growing up. That happened when I was about five. Uh, you know, and then from that point on, it was just, you know, I was getting in a lot of trouble, acting out quite a bit. Uh, just because of that situation, my parents had, um, you know, kind of used me to get back at each other. And so there was that constant, you know, push pull pulling from each side and then having to, you know, go to my dad's side and, uh, you know, listen to them badmouth her all the time in front of me. And so that just gave me a negative, you know, it was just, it, it was, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it, it, it was confusing for one, probably at five, six, seven, eight years old, you know, um, having to deal with that. So, um, you know, that's kind of where my anger, uh, started, and then from that point on, it just kept progressing, progressing. It was kicked out of multiple schools uh, in, in up until high school. Uh, got into my first bit of trouble with the law when I was 15, a freshman in high school. Uh, then 
about 16, I started using meth. Um, you know, my friends were doing it. Uh, it wasn't called meth back then. It was called crank. And my friends were, were doing it. Not all of them, but some of them. But they wouldn't let me because I was the youngest. And I guess I didn't want to be responsible for for that. Uh, so I ended up finding it elsewhere from, uh, my step aunt who lived down the street from me. Uh, and she was about 15 years older than me. So around 30, uh, she gave it to me for the first time and yeah, that was a kind of, kind of strange situation. Um, but I knew where to find it. And, you know, so, you know, cause I knew what kind of a person that she was and the kind of people that she hung out with. And so that just kind of uh, worked out that way. Um, and, then, you know, then it was just all bad from then. You know, I got in tons of trouble. Uh, I was already on probation, you know, did a, a stint in the boys' ranch for about 151 days. Uh, that didn't work. Um, came back, started doing the same thing. Uh, and then finally, you know, the probation, I think I violated somehow. And they said, all right, well, that's it. You're, you're either going to juvenile hall for nine months or you're going to go to rehab for six. And so I chose the six, plus there was girls there. It was co-ed. So it was kind of a no-brainer for me. I was like, I don't want to go hang out with a bunch of dudes, you know. Um, and so, I mean, you know, because my head was in the right spot, right? You know, I need to change. But, right. you know, hey, let's make sure we're <laughs> around some girls first, you know, because I'm going to change. <laughs> you know, I'm going to at least right. have to, you know, look good while I'm doing it. Um, so the one thing I didn't count on though, is that in a, in a, a residential treatment center, it doesn't go on like time. It goes on progress. You know, you don't, you don't get a set amount of time, uh, at least not on the group home side. You don't. Uh, so yeah, the, the time was about 16 months. I ended up having to spend there. So, you know, it was a tough nut to crack for sure. I didn't, uh, you know, ran out of there, took a female out of there once, uh, came back, um, manipulated my way through the program, most of it, uh, up until a certain point when it was just, I think it was around a year, uh, 12 months into it. I'm like, God, you know, if I'm, if I'm ever going to get out of here, I'm going to have to figure out how to like, you know, get with the program, you know? And their main thing was, is that I wasn't getting real. So it was like, I wasn't crying in these groups. I wasn't, you know, I was just, I was never talking about anything, you know, deeper, just surface stuff. And, um, so, you know, finally I just sort of bought into the system and the program and started doing well. And then finally ended up getting out of there, went to the emancipation house and then finally moved in with my, uh, my sister well it was my brother but was turning into my sister that i didn't really realize because uh, he's she's trans and so uh that was an interesting kind of thing uh got in some more trouble there got my first uh adult case um and that uh landed me in jail uh and then what happened i think you know from that point i moved back up to my mom's um I moved back up to my mom's and then I moved to Sacramento from there. And I'm about 18, 19, 20 at this point. And, uh, moved and I moved up there with one of my good friends that I was using with back before I, you know, got out of rehab. And, uh, so we moved up there, got an apartment and our neighbors downstairs from us were, uh, 
crank addicts. And so it was boom, right there, moved right underneath me. And uh, so started again. Uh, and then just, you know, it was it was just a long line of, of jobs, girlfriends, um, you know, strippers, you know, you, you name it, I got into it. And uh, at some point, um, I think what ended up happening, you know, there's just a, I have a lot of crazy stories, but I'm trying not to like, because this story is, you know, could be three hours long. I mean, one of them was three hours long that I, I went through. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to like get through this for you, uh, uh, without going too far around, but staying in line. So from, from that point, uh, I moved up there, um, started doing that, brought a girl, got a girlfriend, moved her up there, uh, Moved out, got in a fight with, with my friend, moved out from him, uh, moved into somewhere else, stopped doing, doing the drugs, you know, started working again. And, and I think I was working the whole time, but I have these, these periods of times where I try to do good and then something just happens and ends up, you know, I end up falling off the wagon or doing something, mm -hmm. uh, and, and screwing everything up again. Uh, so that girlfriend, you know, we moved out and, you know, we were together for a while, uh, screwed that up, uh, hooked up with another friend that was, uh, using, and, you know, he was basically what we were doing is we were going to, um, pick up an ounce and taking it up to a college town in Chico called Chico. And, you know, when the, uh, students were, uh, cramming for finals, we'd go up there and sell drugs to them. Right. And, uh, so we party, we'd be partying the whole time. My girlfriend at the time, you know, she was, we were living together and, and I would go up there and this was before, you know, cell phones and pagers and all that stuff. So I'd be gone for a week. Couldn't get a hold of me. Would come back. Had been up most of the week. Would come back, sleep for, you know, maybe three days, get up. Um, and you know, at some point she just got tired of it. Uh, and and then I think I had talked her into becoming a stripper at some point, and she did. And so anyway, she ended up cheating on me with a bouncer. I found that out. It was just a whole fiasco around that. Like this whole period in my life when I was in Sacramento was just so crazy. Uh, just like anything you can think of, like Breaking Bad, uh, sort of, and, you know, Weeds a little bit. I'm just I'm going with the like TV shows, right? Um, mm -hmm. and then, uh, shameless for sure. You know, there's tons of stuff that, that I did that like ch rival that show a little bit. <laughs> so, um, I ended up, uh, living there for a while in Sacramento, um, moving to, I think I, I got into a fight with somebody and it was one of those things where it was the next time we came across each other, it was going to be something bad and maybe one of us wouldn't have walked away from it. And I just assumed that it would have been me because that dude was pretty crazy. And so I was like, well, we got to get out of this town. We got to leave. Um, and she was the girl I was with at the time, not the one from before, but a new one. Uh, she was a stripper and I got her pregnant. And so we decided to move to Vegas 
And well, I decided we'd move to Vegas because <laughs> she was a stripper, and that there's plenty of strip clubs there, and that, and I wouldn't have to work, right? Plenty of work. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't have to get a job because you know, the, there you go. You're making, you're gonna make plenty of money while you're pregnant, because that's just the kind of you know upstanding dude that I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I was a piece of work. I, I will say that um, up until you know. Obviously, I'm not like that anymore, but thinking back on it and some of the stuff that that I did, I was just like, Jesus, what a piece of shit. <laughs> I saw, I hope, can I cuss in these or no? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, you did, light, it was okay. Light, light, <laughs> light, that, that's light, a light, light, you know, right. just as long as it's like every other word, you All know, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're fine. All right. Um, so. so we ended up moving out there. We had my daughter, um, which I was barely present when she was uh born i was high on ghb and nodding out and like that that scene like johnny depp in a uh, blow where he's in the hospital room and he's like going into cardiac arrest just me the opposite way i'm like about to pass out the whole time because i couldn't keep keep my eyes open uh mm-hmm. and then at some point one of my friends, it's three times. It's a pattern. It has to do with my friends, and and not then not making other things my priority. So, another friend moved out there. Uh, he was dating a stripper at the time, and I had moved him out of his house from her once already. Like she went to Vegas to go work, and we like cleaned his stuff out of the place, and like moved him. Uh, while she was gone so when she came home he was gone he ended up with her again and moved out to vegas with her and hooked up with me and then we did it again because he was like i didn't he didn't want to live with her so i said all right well come live with me and so i brought him and moved him in with uh my pregnant uh girlfriend uh you know and his dog and so yeah, so we started partying and hanging out and not doing not doing like meth or anything, but we were taking this stuff called GHB and uh, we just just being irresponsible, you know what I mean, and putting other things before her. So, anyways, we ended up breaking up. Uh, he moved out. We moved again. Had our daughter, and I think maybe like seven months into it <clears throat> in this new place. We got into it, and uh, I was, like, moved out, and I moved in with him, and, you know, then I just started, you know, partying again, and it. Uh, I think I moved to Phoenix, came back to Vegas, um, started working at a strip club, and hooked up with this other girl, and she was a meth addict, and... I started using again, started selling again. Yeah. Started selling again. Uh, Well, actually not again. I started, I I needed a way to pay for both of our habits. Right. And I didn't want to go to work, uh, you know, cause you get a job. Why would I want to do that? You know, that's going to get it. That's going to get into the way of me getting high and doing whatever I want to (laughs) do and sleeping in till, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So everything that I always did revolved around making my life to where I didn't have to work, you know? And so there was always, always a scam involved or, you know, a girl that I'm like 
using or you know just whatever i had to do to keep from having to go to work like work was kryptonite to me um <clears throat> so uh what, what so we ended up together um i started selling lots of of drugs i was doing all kinds of different stuff you know i was getting into a lot of crime um sold to an undercut like the guy that i was dealing with for about a year he turned on me and had or he got in trouble and then put a confidential informant on me and then they started i sold to him for like five times and i was being followed and surveilled and everything else and uh finally you know i i knew something was up i i knew that like my time was up i just had this feeling you know what i mean like the like stuff was just closing in on me and uh sure enough uh one night or one early morning when i was uh couldn't sleep had a friend over girlfriend her friend are asleep in the other room uh stare at the, the tv's on really loud and i'm counterfeiting hundred dollar bills at this time right and so I'm, I have one on the, the screen and I'm looking at it and I'm working on it. And all of a sudden I just hear like a boom, 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 boom. And prior to that, like when I started thinking that like something was up, I had gotten rid of most of my guns that were stolen. Right. Cause people, I had people that were doing, uh, smashing grabs. And then also they were doing uh, burglaries for me. I was giving them the, the vehicle to go do it. And they would bring me back everything and I'd pay them in drugs. And they would, yeah, obviously they would keep some stuff that I wouldn't know about, but most of it, you know, they wanted the drugs more than they wanted the, uh, the items. And so, um, how oh, was I going with that? So anyways, they were doing all these things. And so part of, part of that were guns and stuff. So I had like five or six guns that, that they had given me. And so I got rid of all of them except for one. Uh, the one that I had, I had next to me. I grabbed it. I told my friend, I said, get on the ground. And I opened the door. I went down the hallway. And I literally thought that, like, there was a, a drive-by or something. I didn't I didn't think that it was going to be what it was. And so I have this gun, and I'm going down the hallway, and it's by my ankle. Oh, no. It's Yeah, it's by my ankle. And... I look around the corner because at the end of the hallway to the right of me is the front door in front of that front door though, along the wall is one of those big screen TVs. That's the, you know, the old ones that were like six feet tall and they're like 4,000 pounds, you know, the really heavy mm -hmm. the projection ones that was in yeah. front of me and the door couldn't open all the way because it hit the edge of the uh, other side of the big screen. And so I could see them coming around that corner, but they couldn't really see me for, except for my head. And so I saw the SWAT shields and immediately in one motion, I put through the gun behind the TV and dove onto the ground with my heads behind my head. And if, if they would have seen that, that they would have just started shooting, you know, so I got lucky. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. Yes. They definitely would have. You know, so that was the first time I got arrested. Um, there's a whole story around this. And and the whole story to this, you can actually find it uh, on, on uh, oh, where is it at? On my link tree. 
it's uh it's my story and it has this whole thing it has a whole three hour one you know uh this is is just the uh the what do they call that the crib note version the shorter version <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i went i they they took me in um i had no priors or anything and they were they let me go my own recognizance three days later so they went through all of that just to let me go right they didn't find any of the drugs. They didn't find any of the money. Uh, I had it hidden too well. Well, they found some drugs, but they didn't find the majority of them where I had them hidden. Um, they didn't find the gun either because uh, when they came in, they were pissed off already because I had tinted the insides of my windows. I lived near the Air Force Base, so we had double-pane glass windows. They shot the flashbang in through the living room window, but it didn't make it through the second pane and it bounced back on them and blew up on them. So that was one of the, that oh, was, yeah, I'm one, pretty sure they're mad about that. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the, the explosions that I heard. And that's why I didn't hear it like the way I was supposed to, cause it didn't go where it was supposed to. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I thought it was like, you know, like, wow, what the hell is that? Plus I had my, my thing on loud too. Um, their police dog bit them uh, after that happened. So when they came in, they were already mad. I was being a smart ass and they, they hog tied me, zip tied me. And like two of them picked me up and rammed my head into the, uh, into the TV, which pushed it up over the gun. <laughs> so <laughs> because of them, you know, they, they were the ones that, that made that happen. Uh, and then while I was in there, Somebody had come over to help my girlfriend and uh, our roommate clean everything up, right? Because they, they destroyed the place pretty much. And uh, one of the guys found the gun and stole it and because I'd, I'd asked where it was. And they said, oh, well, so-and-so was here helping. And I was like, oh, that's that's who had it. <clears throat> so he stole it. And then he walked in on another raid probably half a month to a month later with it on him and he got busted with it <laughs> oh no could they trace it back to you no they couldn't trace it back to me but i'm just oh, saying well, this is good. this is the life of tweakers right you know what i mean yeah. you, 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 people stealing from people it's just it was just a crazy mm-hmm. life man so i come back out um i go and i move i get all my money and and, and move to a new spot immediately uh enforce it now that you know so now they can't do what they did it's going to take them a little bit while longer to to access me to get through some some levels of security um and uh you know i started doing other stuff so i stopped selling the drugs and i started doing uh uh, white collar crimes like credit card stuff uh writing checks um subsequently too i went to jail for 30 days because i got busted uh, trying to cash one of the checks that I did at a casino and I had a bunch of meth on me too. Uh, like a dumb, like a dummy. I didn't take drugs out of my pocket when I went to, you know, commit a crime that I could possibly get in trouble for. <laughs> and so I ended up having to do 30 days in Henderson, Nevada. So I, I just pled guilty cause I wasn't going to like bail out. Like I had more time than money basically. <laughs> and so <laughs> that happened prior to this. And then, you know, I just went on, I went on the run. I wasn't going to turn myself in and I didn't until, uh, probably two or three months later in May of, 
2004, I finally got arrested in, 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 uh, in, while trying to perpetrate another crime. Uh, and there's a whole story around that too. Uh, got out or went, went and actually, um, got in while I was, I got, uh, When I went to jail, I ended up pleading in the state case to uh, 15 to 60 months in state prison. I got indicted on a federal charge because what I got in tr- what they finally arrested me for uh, was I had bought a shotgun and an assumed identity and got in trouble with it. And um, that's a federal charge. So uh, I got plus. I had like 30 credit cards that are numbers on me that I didn't really even know that I had on me because it was in a box uh, of information that I hadn't even gone through yet. And so that was a federal charge too. So I ended up doing uh, time in state prison, federal prison, a total of three years. Um, and then got out 2006, started, uh, started doing okay. And in 2000, you know, I joined the union that I'm still in right now. 2008 came along uh i was an apprentice at the time and that's when everything you know everything shut down right basically the economy you know halted i lost my job and you know was getting unemployment but i had way too much time on my hands and money and i was living back with my mom in in california so i knew where to go and you know finally i was you know would go drive and buy places that i would know and finally i ran into somebody and started doing math again (laughs) uh and then in 2010 uh there's i i did two violations got in trouble doing all kinds of stuff um in that period of time and then in 2010, I finally just decided to, uh, you know, uh, too much. I just, I, it was just, I just had it. Like I had enough, you know, I was tired of being a loser. I was tired of disappointing everybody, myself, and, and you know, just being somebody that, you know, couldn't be counted on. My last, uh, I got clean before my last, um, uh, what's that thing called violation where I did 90 days at the, uh, at the, uh, R triple C in Sacramento. And for anybody that wants to, to know what, where that is, if you go and, 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 uh, watch, uh, jailbirds on Netflix, that's exactly where I was. Uh, I was at, oh, wow. yeah, it was at R triple C and, and, you know, they have a, a female side and a, and a male side. They mostly cover the females in this jailbirds, but it's, it was the same place. Anyway, so I did 90 days there, got clean before that because I knew that I didn't want to be kicking while I was in there. So I like just stopped, right? I just stopped, uh, stopped smoking, stopped uh, doing drugs and went to my time, got out, kept it going started doing other things like playing adult slow pitch softball to get away from the people that I was hanging out with. So changed, changed things, got a hobby, uh, was doing, uh, was doing some, uh, program stuff like AA. I just didn't, AA never really worked for me. I didn't like it. I didn't like, it was too much high schooly for me. It was too much of a popularity contest type thing for me. And I hate popularity contest stuff because I'm usually not popular, 
You know what I mean? My mouth usually will get me in trouble. I'm the guy that says everything. I say what everybody else in the room is thinking. And so, and, and I tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And a lot of times people just don't like that. So I don't know why I was going with that, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, oh, it was a softball. So I started playing, playing the softball. Um, I'm still, uh, an apprentice. I didn't, I managed to not get kicked out of that. Um, and that's about like 2010, 11, 12. Um, yeah. And, and I think I started the podcast. Uh, I started my podcast a little over two years ago. Uh, it's probably like, yeah, it might, might be two and a half years, maybe. And before that, um, yeah, I stopped using the meth. I got hooked on, there's another one. I got hooked on uh, opiates because I was playing softball and I got injured and they gave me painkillers. And then I ended up getting hooked on painkillers for another seven years. And I stopped doing that six months before I started the podcast because I couldn't, how am I going to talk to anybody about doing anything? If I'm sitting here still taking these pills, selling these pills, doing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like parts of me we're lagging so let's just say there's one part of me that's a little more progressed but there's another one that's still over here struggling to try to figure out some stuff and there's another aspect of me that's you know maybe a little bit further than the other one and so like not it i've never really been like it's always been changing little at a time you know Mm -hmm. um identifying identifying behaviors that don't really serve me and then you know trying to figure those out um over a 10-year period of time like i mean that was 2010 all the way until you know what are we that's 11 years Mm -hmm. that's 11 years man 11 years of of like slowly progressing through uh getting you know does that make sense yeah 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 i think that that's um that's quite a journey for you. Um, all of the things that you kind of went through and kicking the different addictions and and it sounds like um, maybe having a little distance from some of the types of people that you were involved with um, helped a, a great deal as well. So um, you've been through so much. You've overcome, you, you started the podcast and... Um, just looking back, what is the most important thing you think you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what is your life like after learning it? That's a long question. <laughs> um, okay, well, just, just wait. What, overall, what, what's the most important thing you've learned in the last 10 years that you've been, um, you know, you said you had little pockets of change and growth. What was one of the biggest things you took away? I would have to say the biggest thing that I took away from that was to never give up, you know, never give Mm -hmm. up. Everything is temporary. You know what I mean? Everything's temporary. Relationships can be temporary, you know, um, moments in time are definitely temporary, you know, situations mostly are temporary. You know, it's our own mind that that makes it seem like it's going to be permanent, you know. 
I, yeah, I would, I would, I would have to say that like learning that things are temporary and that my mind is, is responsible for most everything that like I struggle with has to do mm-hmm. with me, how I see it, how I perceive it and allowing it to get the better of me, you know, if that, I don't know if that makes sense at all. Yes, it does. It does. Um, definitely. Um, it definitely makes sense. Um, for, I know that, you know, battling addiction, you've had all sorts of relationships, um, that have come and go be while you're doing your recovery. Um, but I really thought what was really, um, Interesting. You haven't talked about it, but you did mention that you had um, a child um, during that process. And um, I noticed on your on your social media, you kind of documented reconnecting with your daughter. And I thought that was just such a beautiful moment. Can you talk to us a little bit about what 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 was going on and maybe what was going on through your head when you first saw her again for the first time? Because you hadn't seen her since she was like nearly like one years old. Right. Yeah, she was 11 months was the last time that I saw her and and I I touched on on the reason kind of like the the split of it. Um, you know, and uh when so I'll let me give a little context to that. So when I got I got uh served papers from my ex to um what's that called? To terminate my par- my parental rights. Um after I had, you know, there was a reason for this. I had wrecked her her vehicle, and she didn't have any insurance on it, and I it was I totaled it and cost her like fifteen, sixteen grand, and so she had just like that was it. That was the last straw. We were broken up at the time. We were kind of working on getting back together, maybe, uh, but whatever whatever shot I had, I I blew it. So. And says so she was like, you know what? Screw this. I, I'm. I don't. I don't want you even nowhere near my daughter, our daughter, or we. Whatever. You know what I mean? You're just. You're out there. You're extra. <laughs> and so, I had gotten in. And so she, you know, went through all the process. I'd gotten a DUI and was in jail when I got served these papers. And so, like, I had time, a little bit of time to think about it. And I chose to ignore it and not show up to contest it. Uh, I, you know, I felt I, I, I justified it in my mind. You know, I thought, you know, well, she'll be better off without me anyways. You know, uh, I'll, I don't have to pay child support now. That's a plus, you know what I mean? I was trying to spin it in any way that I could to make me seem like, you mm-hmm. know, like I wasn't the piece of shit that I was for turning my back on my daughter. Um, basically. And so, that happened and I hadn't seen her for a long time, went to prison, got out, started poking around, found, found her a little, I found her on Facebook, but never, I just, I was just watching from afar. Right. Um, she was still young and I didn't want, I honestly didn't want, cause I mean, people would, t- would always tell me disrupt like, our life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people would always tell me that, you know, you're, she's going to want to know who you are at some point. She's going to come looking for you. Or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever, because all all girls want to know who their dad is, especially if he's still alive. And I didn't want to do exactly what you were saying. I didn't want to disrupt her life. I mean, it's like, dude, you're you're 
13, 14, 15, 16, I mean, you know, you got to be, do you, and, and we'll figure this out later. You know, you should be having fun as a kid, right? Not worrying about, you know, your dad trying to get back in touch with you because, you know, he made a mistake. And so I think, I can't remember what it was. I think it was around, I'm going to say maybe five years ago, um, we had spoken uh, through Messenger or through Instagram. And it was, it, it wasn't, it was just kind of like touch and go, touch and go, touch and go, touch and go. Um, I, I had no idea, like th there was no relationship there. Like, you know what I mean? I just didn't, I didn't know how to, I'm good at, I'm good at connecting with people, but I'm not very good at, at maintaining relationships of anybody, friends with, you know what I mean? I'll go months without talking to somebody and just pop, Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? Um, and you know, I have friends that do the same thing to me. So it's not, to me, it doesn't seem awkward or nor or out of the, out of the norm. And she's kind of the same way. And so, you know, we would go months without saying hi, and then she'd say hi or, or whatever. And finally, um, probably about five months ago, maybe, um, I don't know exactly what what the what the time was, but I'm I'm going to say about let's say six, six months ago she reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, I'd like to have a relationship with you through Instagram." And you know, we started talking. Um, her mom reached out to me as well, and then I ended up having her mom on my podcast, and we did an episode talking about this. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, and so kind of like making that peace. That was powerful. Yeah, yeah, making peace with each other. But the one thing that happened that, that I didn't, uh, so uh, that I found out, and one of the reasons why she wanted to, uh, my, her her mom wanted to talk to me is because of what had happened to her from her stepfather. So from the time, and I can say this because she's already come out about it, but I'm not going to get too much into details about it. But from the time she was 11, I think, until she was uh, 19, her her stepdad uh, was abusing her sexually. And so, oh, no. yeah, so she was going through all of that. And so all of the, so all the things in my mind that I was like going, these, you know, the, there was just stuff that would pop up and I would just think was strange, but now a lot of it makes sense. Why the distance, why, you know what I mean? And so um, I ended up, uh, going to meet her you know so after this i'm like you know i need after i found that out i'm like all right well i need to somebody i you know there's got to be some male figure that's gonna you know that has to be there for you you know uh that sounded horrible the way i said that um but anyways so i went down there i met her and we hung out it was cool she's beautiful she's awesome she's got a great personality she's super smart um and we just had fun and we, we have a lot of the same interests. And so we just had a good time for like a couple of days. And then, uh, I came back and, uh, you know, that's kind of where we're at now, you know, nice. she'll, you know, sometimes she you know needs some extra money or something. So I'll shoot it to her and she's really good about paying it right back. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just you know, a little bit at a time. Yeah, I mean, it takes a it takes a while to build relationships, but that's good that, you know, you both are open to it, and you you, you reconnected with her, and yeah. um, you know, 
you can't necessarily make up for lost time, but you can create a foundation for the future and, and, and taking each day at a time. So I, I'm glad that you guys had that experience and that you were able to reconnect and be that positive um, male figure and, and father that she needs in her life. So that's, that's amazing. Um, and also, and you're also oh, doing, oh, go well, ahead, no, go no, ahead. I was just saying also, I mean, it's to be a, a, an example to other men out there, other males out there, mm-hmm. you know, because I know I'm not the only one that's gone through this, um, you know, and, and there's hope, you know, there's hope out there that if you turn your life around and you're doing the right things and you're in a situation like I was where you lost contact custody, uh, you know, whatever of, of your, um, you know, child that there is, you know, there is hope that, you know, that can be fixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's so amazing because so many people kind of get discouraged, especially when your children become adults and then, you know, but even as adults, we still need our parents. And so, um, I'm glad that you were able to, to kind of bridge that and, and form that connection with her. Um, you are doing some really cool things, um, not just with, um, you know, in your personal life, but you're also tra- kind of transitioning a little bit more with the podcast. I, I was I was in astonishment of all the episodes that you have under your belt. And I was like, I, I'm on like maybe episode 10 and you have so many and it's so inspiring just um how has the podcast really for you just changed things or, you know, and how is it, how has it um, enhanced your life? So it's opened a lot of doors. It's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot about how to communicate since I'm, I do an interview based show. So it's taught me about having to listen more than talking, you know, um, I, I used to be one of those people that, you know, we'd be in a conversation and I'd be like thinking about what I'm going to say, not listening to anything you're saying, because I'm trying to get what I want to say out, you know, and so instead, right. not active listening. So it, it taught me how to communicate it, a better listener, a better communicator. Uh, it opened up doors um, like I because of my podcast is why I started a nonprofit, which I didn't mention but I have a nonprofit organization called the nowhere to go, but up project, which is a, um, basically what I want it to be is a, a a living facility for 18 to 24 year old males coming out of incarceration. Uh, it'd be about a year to a year and a half and give them basic guidance and, you know, get them ready to transition from, you know, being, you know, cause that's that transitional age that we go through, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're not, you're an adult, but you don't know how to be an adult. Right. Right. And most of these guys and myself included didn't have those kind of skills, you know, when I got out and I saw the loop, you know, kind of where the, the blind spots were in the, in the system when I was there and when I got out and I just want to provide, I was lucky. I had a support system. A lot of these guys don't have that or they're coming back to a situation that's toxic and they're going to be, you know, they're just, it's just setting them up for failure. So this is basically going to be something where you give them some vocation, give them some education, give them some, uh, we're partnering with, uh, uh, the USLI, the universal self-leadership, um, 
Institute. And there's an eight week course for, you know, self leadership that we're going to be implementing there um, and trying to, to put all of this together. Uh, we're at the, it's in its infancy. So we're, we're basically, you know, the board of directors, we're just getting ready to do our first strategic planning meeting and uh, kind of like, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But I'm a 501c3. So a lot of the hard work is, is done. You know, it's just a matter That's- of putting it in yeah. into place the processes and you know whatever it is that we're going to do with it uh come past that mm-hmm. so um starting something new is always um hard whether it's a new job or, or a life change or, you know hobbies um all of those things can and it can be a rewarding as well as challenging for you what has been the hardest part about starting something new um patience uh i'm a i'm a (laughs) i'm an instant gratification person i will go Mm -hmm. to i I will go to a store if i can get it now versus waiting for amazon you know if i can drive down and get it i want it now um Mm -hmm. and so patience has been really you know uh something I've had to, had to, uh, learn. And, you know, my vice president, uh, Mina, she always says, so if you, if, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm, I you love know? that quote. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, she's always, always saying, Hey, slow down. So you roll, man. <laughs> you know, if you, you want to go fast then then go. But if you want to turn this into something, come come hang out with us, and 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 we'll all go. <laughs> like get back here, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're moving way too fast, my friend. <laughs> yes. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your growth and and um, giving us a little feedback about your um, your nonprofit. Um, just a couple of little. Re- random round questions and then we'll wrap it up because i know you have um some other things to get to and i just want to make sure i'm utilizing everyone's time and i appreciate the time that you're taking um greatly so one of the questions that i do during the random round is um just a question what are some small things that make your day better microdosing coffee and dog daughter uh when 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 i have my daughter my my youngest which is who's four um yeah that that those those are the things man that's it's it's just the little things right they they mean a lot and they make your world a little more special um how do you measure your own success wow that's a good question um I measure my success kind of like looking where I was prior, you know what I mean? Like where I was six months ago, did I, am I progressing or am I staying, staying stagnant? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't backslide a whole lot anymore. Um, so it's usually, getting out of my comfort zone is what ends up pushing me further. So, 
I just I try to I try to to measure it by six months. Like, all right, well, what were my goals, and did I meet them? Did I reach them? You know, where did I fall short? Um, you know, was it procrastination? Was it laziness? Was it just you know, uh, whatever? You know, it's just a constantly uh, self analyzing. Yes, sometimes we have to look within to see where we can make some changes. All right, well, thank you so much, Sean, for joining us. Um, um, before we go, is there any ways that you want to give us some of your contact information, how we can reach you, where we can learn more about you so the listeners can, can um, you know, continue on with your story as well as, as um, tuning into some of your social media and, and, and uh, learning more about you? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get the, one of the better places to catch me is on my website and it's currently still being built. Uh, the nonprofit tab and some other tabs, uh, aren't done yet, but there are, you can catch the show there, which is nowhere to go, but up pod, nowhere to go, but up pod.com. And then you can also find me over on my link tree, which is, L I N K T R dot E E forward slash nowhere to go, but up that has a lot of links there too. all my social media will be on the website. I have some social media on my link tree. And then also, um, if you just hit, if you hit Sean Dustin on Google, uh, or duck, duck go or whatever, uh, browser you, you, uh, choose to, uh, use, it, all everywhere that I've uh, done an episode on other people's shows come up there, and then also uh, nowhere to go but up podcast on Google as well. You can find me there. All right, thank you, Sean. You heard it from him, and I will make sure to put all of your contact information in the description. Okay, well, I want to thank you again, Sean, for coming on to the podcast. Um, I hope listeners, you've been able to to get some really good nuggets and jewels from his story and thank you everyone for joining us tune in every thursday at 10 a.m for a new episode and until we meet again i'm your host nikki c and remember it's time to get back to dreaming again if not now then when <laughs>